Welcome to Thinking Out Loud, a special Black History Edition with your hosts, Vonnie Hereri, Tammy and Dice Hart, co-founders of Think3D. And today we have a special guest, Julian Bowan of Swamp Daddies, of the South Dakota Highway Patrol, of uh, uh, Julian Bowan for City Council, of all the etc. He do, he yeah. do he do he do he do a lot of things. So etc. 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 Welcome right. to the show, sir. Appreciate it, man. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we wanted to get together. I mean, obviously, we're in Black History, um, and sometimes we don't always get an opportunity to do our own content. I always say, like January thirtieth, my phone started oh, yeah. vibrating off of the table for when sure. people are hitting me up to do their last second yep. Black History stories. And, um, and so this is an opportunity we have to, to have a little bit of a, a different dialogue in terms of, you know, what it has meant historically when we talk about Black History Month. What does it mean right now? What might it mean in the future in terms of how um, it still instills pride in the black community, educates the black community, but also educates the community as a whole, uh, brings people closer uh, to the experiences that built this country and the participation that people of color have had in the building of that country and what that means yeah and how that changes the way people are thinking about the world today so with that said um what has been your relationship with well, I mean, we're we gonna keep it real keep it like, all the way real. okay so you talk about the phone vibrating right mm -hmm. man i mean I, I think we all get that right around that starting at mlk day to be honest yeah, for with sure you. Yeah, yeah right yeah. from mlk day to the end of february we get uh inundated with a lot of requests um, so what's the, for me, my question is always like, what's your responsibility? I know my responsibility because I'm out here doing it. I'm doing right. the thing, right? Um, I'm, I'm the executive director of the South Dakota African American History Museum. That's not a month long project. For sure. You know what I mean? That's a lifetime of service. So like, what is your responsibility? The person that's calling me, have you done your research or are you just asking me questions for what? Mm -hmm. Right? So what's, what's behind the questions? Yeah. What are you going to do with the, the data, the info that I give you? And then. February 28th, are we just going to let it slip by, right? Yeah. Or are we going to continue talking about it? Are we going to continue to progress? Um, so for me, when you talk about like where we are right now, we're nowhere. We've gotten a little bit of progress, right? I mean, you could talk about the progress of desegregation going back into history after MLK. Uh, you could talk about the progress of um, uh, some of the politics behind uh, drugs back in the mid-90s, some of those things, right? Um, but Man, you talk about the struggle that black people are still in. We're still, we're still, you know, low on the poverty scale. So mm -hmm. what what are we doing about that? Um, mm -hmm. We still own less than one percent of these businesses out here. So what are we doing about that? Right. So there's a larger conversation about what we should be doing or what should, what we should be talking about when it comes to progress. For sure. Um, for me, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm at a place right now when I get those calls is. Is I'm I'm always uh, up for educating and that type of thing. I think it's important. But my thing is is that um, for me to do this with you right now, you got to tell me about how you're going to engage with us a month or two from now, three yeah. months from now, four months from now when we're out of this space. Because you know we all have programs that we work with, businesses that we operate, things that we do in the community, initiatives that we're working on that could use attention all of the time to drive energy to those things, to be an example of what happens when people do overcome their circumstance and, right. and do put their effort on the community and that type of thing. And so for me, it's always about how are we gonna broaden this conversation to be more youthful than this, this moment where we talk about, you know, the usual suspects of black history. Right, I think it comes down to as well, like people say that they don't have the time 
right? And for me, it's not necessarily about creating the time because time, like when you, time is something you can't create, it's there, right? right. You're, you're not gonna have any more of it, you're not gonna have any less of it, but it's about being intentional to create the space. So do you have the space? Yeah. Mentally, physically, whatever, do you have the space that you can create in your life to really figure out what you're gonna do next? Um, and so I think that that for sure, especially comes down to having those uh, communications. Well, a lot of it, I mean, for me is is how important is it, obviously, to other people? And again, you know, you have a month, you talk about these type of things, another 11 months, you don't see a whole lot of it. And not to, you know, throw shots, but it's you see the folks that like, oh, it's not a priority because they have other stuff going on. I get it. Yeah, right. But yeah. in the failure of a Black History Month, like, we seem to have got to this place again. Y'all had a black president now. What y'all complaining about? Like, you know, we supposed to be there, right? Because your point of poverty and, and owning businesses, like this, the lack of acknowledgement of how we got here, predominantly because I didn't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But neither did we. <laughs> right. So why is the responsibility only on us? That mm-hmm. goes back to kind of what we were talking right. about earlier. What's your role? What's your responsibility yeah. as well? Like this is supposed to be a communal effort. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about fault. It's about responsibility. Absolutely. Again, I'm not at fault for children being hungry. Yeah. That don't mean it's not my responsibility. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not at fault for, you know, making sure people are mentored in development and, and that type of thing. It's not my fault that somebody didn't have somebody in their life helping them. But it's my responsibility. Absolutely. If you want a certain type of community, particularly one that's actually connected and has real genuine relationships in it. Yeah. So let's bring that back to now. I think it's important when we think about obviously there's a history where we've been, but in this moment of the now. In your opinion, what are some of those opportunities that we have? Let's just start with ourselves, because yeah. again, if we wait, if we hold our breath waiting for other people to come, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. not a good outcome. Where, where, yeah. What are some things that you see as opportunities that, that we as black people need to start to think about, consider, talk about, move forward and take the mantle of saying, let's, let's take this on our own shoulders? So I wanna keep it local just a little, I mean, yeah. all the way local, honestly, let's, let's do that. Um, just, just because that's where we are working, right? That's the yeah. space we're in. So number one, when I ran for city council, one of the things that I talked about was building my own table. And I, I talked about that quite a bit because I didn't want to wait for anybody else. We have been waiting on somebody else for, for so long. It's that it's that that white savior mentality that's in our mind versus in someone else's mind. We're mm-hmm. waiting on someone to come save us instead of saving ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you when you build your own organizations, when you build your own platforms, and then you build your own table and invite everyone else to that table, Mm -hmm. that's what true equity is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what we're doing. You guys are doing that with Think 3D. Uh, We're doing that with the Hub South Dakota, really trying to promote business and entrepreneurship and startups. Um, Mm -hmm. And and we see see the need for it, not only in our community, but we see the need for it in the community as a whole, right? Startups Who Falls is is, uh, a partner of ours. The Chamber of Commerce is now a partner of ours. And we're starting to build these relationships that everyone else has been trying to build for years, but had no clue how to establish the relationships Yeah, uh, because it's not their responsibility. The yeah. onus is on us, right? Do we want to be better for ourselves? Um, and then I think once we answer that question and once we actually start working in that particular uh, sector of our community, then we can see some true progress. We, we talk about that a lot in, in terms of just a general concept that, you know, happiness is a personal responsibility. Yeah. You can't get to the peak of it solely by yourself, but you have to be the driver of it because you know what makes you happy. Yeah. The the idea of waiting for somebody else to give you um, a, a justice or a freedom that they can't define for you is just yeah. naive in its nature. You know yeah. what I mean? How can you give me something 
that I want when you don't really know me enough to know what I want. Right. And so it's about being in a room and being represented. And what I have just come to find is, is that when I pursue the things that would that would be um, liberating to uh, 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 black people, they tend to be beneficial for everybody else. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? There yeah. are very few things that I pursue that are not ultimately a benefit to the entire community. It's just about saying that there's some focus because there's some people who are perfectly comfortable um, with people of color having a specific problems, but they're challenged by the idea of them having specific solutions um, that we're trying to solve the situation for these people because it naturally feels unfair. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing, right? Is the idea of solving unfairness with fairness. Sure. Um, that's but, a challenging concept. So then the question is, is difficult for who? Because it's not, it's, for me, it's not necessarily yeah. difficult, right? Because I've, and you guys know me, I've always been unapologetic about for what sure. I've been working on mm-hmm. uh, and work and who I've been working with. Sure. Um, and so I, I'm at the point now, again, it's 2023. So I'm at the point now where feelings don't matter much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can get past your emotions and let's start to work. Uh, so that, I mean, again, we talk about progress and where true progress actually starts. It starts when people get past their emotions and they start to think logically so that we can move in the right direction. But let's talk about that though, logically, right? Because, you know, one of the common tropes when you talk about a, uh, um, a black history month is, well, why isn't there a, a white history month? Why Why isn't there a, because you got 11 other months, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like. But but to that point, you know, when people think about that, is that idea that that's why diversity so many times how it's communicated comes with an eye roll because it's like, oh, we got to go to this thing again because it feels like it's for somebody else. Yeah. It feels like people are getting something special because in a world where you don't uh, identify as a person who participated in any of these things, it just feels like we started from the same space and now something special is happening for you, you, and whoever else. Yeah, and I think that's where education of what equity actually means comes into play mm-hmm. because we didn't start from the same space, right? Mm-hmm. So although that feeling is there, although that emotion is there, let's actually go back and look at the why. Why are we here? So you and I shared a video. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was it was just, I mean, people were talking, giving, giving excuse after excuse after excuse, and the question afterwards always came up to why. Why? 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 Right. And mm-hmm. so eventually you get back to the to the root of the problem and say, oh, well, we we didn't start in the same space. So maybe we do need to celebrate this group of people a little bit more. Maybe we do need to acknowledge what they are doing in our community. And I think that's the hope of a black history yeah. Month, is to give context. Yeah. Right. I think if somebody just was born today and didn't have any context about these things, they'd be like, man, why are these people so angry? Yeah. Why are they so frustrated? Right. Because it's a, there's a, you know what I mean? Because there's a lack of historical context. I don't know that um, Black History Month, as it is oftentimes engaged with, has bridged that gap a ton. Right. Well, and, because it's become, I mean, it's like everything else. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Target for putting all the Black History Month stuff out, right? But they're making <laughs> money off of it. Right, right, <laughs> like right, right. You know, it's, it's become like any other holiday. Um, now they can just do it for 28 days versus one day. So, yeah. It, is not is not really living up to its true potential. Well, I'll go back to something you had said about even what you're doing with the hub is the relationships. You're building those key relationships. And I think too often times people haven't seen the value of strategic relationships, especially in today's day and age. Yeah. And I, I saw it, you know, again, just a generation ago, my daddy was held out of the rooms and yeah. all those different things where he couldn't 
just to go do those things. Yep. And I think, you know, I'm one who's probably a prime example of it. Like again, four, three, four years ago, almost if you didn't know me in this community, you didn't know me Yeah. because I was, I just did my thing. I climbed the corporate ladder, did X, Y, Z. But then when you start to say, all right, let me go make a difference and you build the right relationships to these things. Cause that is interesting. You know, we're asking sometimes people to do certain things in a certain way because it's the right thing to do X, Y, Z, but how we approach them, like if someone approached me that way, like if anyone ever approached me and said, you know what you should do? I almost guarantee whatever you say, I ain't well, gonna do it. You ain't gonna hear. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. As and soon as somebody tells you what you should do, yes, for sure. And, and especially people again <laughs> who themselves didn't directly do it is in a position you want the hell you're going to tell them what they should do when they need their help. But when you, and that's why I would say you can't have compassion from a distance. And when you start to build some of those relationships and people, now there's no defenses to it. They get to know your story. They're like, man, I didn't know that because they're listening out of a state of not being threatened X, Y, Z. Yeah. And now they're willing to participate in some of the solutions to make this. So, so then again, like the, the, the word you use is kind of, they don't feel threatened. Um, I particularly am in a space to where, again, I don't care about them feeling a certain type of way about what I'm presenting. So people love to hear stories, but they hate to hear testimonies. Mm-hmm. Right. So they'll they'll love the, the story about, oh, you had to go through this struggle. You had to go through that struggle. But when I get passionate and my testimony begins to come out, that's when people start to feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Um, and so I think there's also a disconnect there about people listening. Communication is two different things. I can talk till I'm blue in the face. But if you're not actively listening to what I'm saying, for sure, then it doesn't matter at all. For sure. Yeah. I think as we talk about with folks is that there's sometimes you got to be a better communicator than the other person is a listener. For sometimes sure. you got to be Absolutely. a better listener than the other person is a communicator. The idea that everybody comes to the table with the same set of skills and experiences to be able to decipher all of that yep. is, is rare. And so that is the difficult part. That's the just position, right? Is how this person uh feels my concern no it's how this person how this person is motivated to behave based on how they feel is that my concern it has to be absolutely and so it's 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 finding the space of being able to say i'm not responsible for making you feel good about all of this but you're more likely to do things right if you feel good about it yeah Right? I mean, because so, it's obvious through the passion that we speak with that we don't feel good about it either. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So now now we're on the same page. Now we're on the same starting at, sure. at the same starting point. Now For what sure. can we do? Right. Yeah. So you're angry. I'm angry. Let's not be angry anymore. What do you want to do? Right. What do you, you want to do? do? That's the space that I'm in. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because sometimes I have conversations and there'll be people out there in the world and to their credit. They'll reach out to me and they'll say, hey, I want to unpack this thing. Now, again, it's not my responsibility to help them unpack any of this stuff. But I do because for me, um, I feel that I'm equipped to assist people with this and there's a benefit to doing it. But what always comes of it is, is a rejection of feeling uncomfortable and a desire to make me feel comfortable with the status quo. Yeah. Right. And so they say, <laughs> well, you know, you know, there's no, you know, no harm. I, I don't, I don't mean, you know, yeah. and it's always an interesting conversation when you have to get people to the point of, of getting some discomfort. And they're like, well, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Experiencing it is a hundred times worse. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? On a day. And, and sometimes even in that moment, it's hard for people to make that connection to it. Right. And sometimes the assumption is, it's like, well, you know, you got to work past it. You got to do all those other type of things. And it's always interesting when people say that to me or somebody like you or somebody like him. Yeah. Like, that's what we do. 
That's what we've always done. Right. Like we're pretty good at it, in fact. Yeah. Um, but it's not about getting over it. It's about getting through it. For sure. But getting through it means that there's still an obstacle there. Why? For what? Can it be moved? Can it be diminished? Can it be changed? Can there be a path created? Why would anyone ever make a case to keep it as it is versus improving it when clearly improving it will put this entire country in a better situation? Well, but the case for keeping it as it is is because there's nothing wrong with the person you're talking to, right? Or, at least or from they, their perspective. From, from their perspective, the way they feel about it is everything's going right in my life. So, <laughs> sure. so why would I even work? Yeah, yeah. For to sure. change anything for anyone else because everything's going right for me, it's going right for my children. As a matter of fact, my great my great grandchildren are set up for success. Yeah. So that's the generational curse that we are trying to break. Right? Yeah. Well, now let's talk. I mean, let's talk about it because one of the things for me is do work. You got it. You got to do work. You got to put the work in, and that's one of the most disheartening parts for me as we're trying to move this forward amongst and change the narrative within ourselves, within mm-hmm. our community. Right? Yep. Again, we have a leader of the moral community. We fight every cohort to get 40% diversity. We want it we want it to be up to 60% or better. Right. We went out we went out and go get the money to do the things. And you know, we just had a, a a session last night and the majority of people who didn't show up. But you can guess what color they were. Right. And there's a part of how do we start to get people to show up for ourselves? Now I get the backdrop to it, right? And all the histories XYZ they haven't seen it come from it, right? Mm-hmm. But one of my biggest frustrations is especially when I hear commentary like like people are just supposed to get a get a seat at the table or be in a room because of mm-hmm. the color. Mm-hmm. Do work, right. right? If you if you're white, you don't just get to be white and then all of a sudden you get to be in a room. You got to do some stuff well, to sometimes, get in the sometimes, board. Sometimes, yeah, yeah sometimes. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's one thing I appreciate about you is again, like at the end of the day, I don't care what anyone feels about Julian, which yeah. you're not gonna uh, accuse him of. Of that man don't go get busy for sure. He don't get mm-hmm. he don't do work because a again a lot of it if not us who. Yep. Right. And I'm not going to sit around every ounce of energy I spend complaining it uh, is a waste of energy. I could be do, moving the thing forward. But how do we start to advance that to say we have to help our brothers and sisters to say this takes work? Yeah. So it's, this, this comment might ruffle a few feathers within our own community and outside our own community. But I, I truly believe we need our own strategic plan. Like we need to be on the same page as black folks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't get there because we don't want to communicate with each other. Right. And you want to talk about proper and effective communication. We want to yell and scream at each other. Uh, We want to say that this person thinks he's better than that person Mm -hmm. uh, just because they're doing the work. Right. Mm -hmm. And someone else is not. And somebody's getting shine and somebody's not getting shine. And so for me, that's what's holding us back is like, let's just sit down. Let's have our own conversation. Let's build our own strategy within our own community. Get on our get on the same page for us. And then we can go out and say what we need to do. But one of the things that you also talked about, you were very vulnerable in the moment about LOT and how, you know, was it 60% diversity? We, we 40, 40%? 40 to 60 is the goal. We struggle to get to 40. Yeah. Right. So 40% is your goal. So I, I recruit for my state organization. And one of the things that I always tell them when they ask me, how can we get more people of color in the room? Say it. Like point blank period. Say it. If you, yeah. if you, don't, if you don't say it, people will never know. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's number one. But also, if you don't say it, people feel like they're not welcomed. Mm-hmm. So just just go out and say, hey, this is where we want to be. We're not there. Be vulnerable in that moment. I guarantee you black people like vulnerability just as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's true. All those things that, yeah. that make humans 
it's the, it's the human element. You know, it's the we, human element. Well, we tell a lot of folks, a lot of folks ask us to do stuff on DNI. We always tell them we do it through culture. I'm not interested in there and just exchanging code words and just uh, giving people definitions to things outside of saying, how do you create a foundational environment where people are treated well? Humans are treated well. That's the first skill that you have to have. Like, you know, if a, pl- if a pie doesn't taste good, it ain't going to taste better if you slice it. For sure. So if, if, if our base situation is, is not being able to take care of people, not being able to communicate, not being able to support people in general, you're not going to be able to appreciate, appreciate me specifically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's one of the things that just getting people there, which we're not in a good space. And so for me, it's not even just about having work ethic as a person of color. It's having a work ethic, period. That's yeah. going to have a lot to do with your quality of life, yeah. period, is whether or not you show up and you participate. I don't outwork black people. I outwork most people. Yeah. That's why certain things happen and certain things produce. It's getting people to, 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 to buy into some of these general concepts because that's why the burden is always difficult when you're a change agent. Any disenfranchised group is going to struggle because of the fact it is so hard to unify people, especially people who want to approach things from a spectrum. There's people in my life who would like for me to be more militant. There's people in my life who think I should be more passive. There's people in my life who think I, everybody has a different you know, and we talk about this even, that a lot of times people don't appreciate. A lot of the reason why people wanted to talk to Martin is because they didn't want to have to deal with Malcolm. For sure. And so sometimes having different perspectives helps move one thing. But when you got so many switches and so many levers to pull, it's really difficult to get people together and vote on how we should handle something and the tone that we should take in our communications. And so when you're going against the status quo that doesn't need to coordinate, that doesn't need to work together because there's a natural collusion that happens by keeping things the same if you benefit from them being the same. It's very hard to challenge that. So in a world where getting people on the same page is near impossible. Like, I mean, we can go on a Twitter rant when it's aimed at one person. For sure. But, like, getting people to show up to the meeting? Right. That's the thing. It's a trick. How do we work through that? Well, I think think it's all about foundation. First, we need to understand that our foundation is – some people say our foundation is shaky. I say our, our foundation is not there. We don't have a foundation. So what do we need to do to build the foundation? I think we look at the people again, that's doing the work. Uh, people that are in the rooms, people that are not in the rooms, but behind the scenes. I Listen, I can point to one person individually, Harriet Yoakum. She's been in the room. She's been doing the work mm-hmm. for umpteen years, right? Mm-hmm. You, the same thing. You've been doing mm-hmm. the work since you've been in high school, mm-hmm. right? Our community our community, the black community, needs to look at those individuals as the leaders that they actually are because of the work that they're actually doing mm-hmm. instead of going to TikTok, instead of going to YouTube. Well, you just said you know it too, I mean? though, because I want, I want to pop on this because yeah. you just talked about that. But again, uh, we tend to, in, in many instances, put the, the, the most pressure on the people who do the most. Yeah, because the shoulders are pretty broad. For sure. So how do you get to a point where those people are pulled closer to the greater community and yeah. they're really mentors or whatever versus you could hoop or for sure. You I, and and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if you can because broad shoulders are put on us for a reason. I mean, again, you for look, sure. you look at Malcolm and you look at Martin, they died young, right? Because they had so much pressure on them. I, I mean, listen, the reason why they continue to climb is because people engage with them. And so I think that's, that's what's missing for, for sure. us. It's like they people are young. not engaged. They did die young, but are you afraid of that? So I asked you a question the other day at the guest list, right? Yeah. 
uh, I can't remember this, the, the exact wording, but like, are you willing to die for your people? And your response was no, but I'm willing to live for my people. Right. For sure. I'm willing to live for my people. Why can't people see that? For sure. So, so that's my thing. I don't think we can ever force anyone to see your true value. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Right. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't even force your parents and your spouses. Yeah. No, nobody will ever be <laughs> yeah. able to see your true well, value. Nobody. So I think the same thing happened with our leaders like Malcolm and Martin. Nobody ever really saw their true value, which is why some people mess with Malcolm. Some people didn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they understood who they were. And so as leaders, I think as we as we continue the work, as long as we continue to understand our value, then we just have to continue to put the weight on our shoulders because yeah. it is what it is. It's the life we chose. Yeah, I think you yeah. nailed it of, you know, for a lot of reasons why we see that crabs in the barrel mentality is because they don't know who they are. Yeah. Right. Again, when you're confident mm-hmm. in who you are, I've never in my life seen a confident person tear somebody else down. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's that introspection of that. And in, 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 in the vein of uh, Black History Month, when I asked question who amongst all of our great leaders you know we have a saying uh, i think really how dare you not be great mm-hmm. right and you know i'm wearing my shirt here that's got a lot of the leaders on it right so when you think back to history books and those things who who is somebody that that you're inspired by who's someone in history that really fuels you and what is it about that person that you feel like i got something we get it from everybody, but yeah. specifically a person that, that gave you something. So just because it's in my lifetime, I'll go back to Obama. Um, mm-hmm. I can remember, I don't remember the exact time, but I want to say it was either eighth or ninth grade. I was making that transition into high school. Uh, and I can remember seeing his his speech, the one at the Democratic National mm-hmm. Convention, the one that went viral, right? Yep. Viral before viral was a thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and... Um, I, I looked at my grandfather because we we were actually at my grandfather's farm um, and I looked at my grandfather, I looked at my mom and I told him, I was like, that man's going to be president. Like as soon as the, as soon as the speech was done, I knew he was going to be president. Um, and that's what started making me feel like I needed to be more engaged in the space of politics. And we kind of talked a little bit off camera about shifting the the language or shifting the focus from talking about black power all the time talking about black politics now. Um, and so for me, he shifted my entire direction. I, you know, I went to school, um, background in biology. I'm not doing anything with yeah, that degree. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not doing anything that's with like a biology. Degree. Degree. Nothing with yeah. that biology. You know what I mean? Right. So, because that's not what I really wanted to do. Right. Um, the money was great. Yeah. I mean, it's good to call yourself a scientist, yeah. but, but what are you doing with it? What are you mm-hmm. doing with the work? And so for me, I always reflect on what he was doing in the community at the time. Now, obviously, things changed once he started to climb the ladder. He became senator and then he became president. His focus changed. His responsibilities changed. But when he gave that speech, my man was in he was in the trenches. Right. He was in the trenches. Really doing it. And that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in that space. I wanted to be respected by my people, but I also wanted to be a leader of my people. Um, And so I started to shift my focus and he had the heaviest impact on me. Perception is funny because. In '06, when he uh, around that time, I wrote a uh, I wrote a song, and one of the lines was, "What if black people decided to vote? We wouldn't have a black president, but at least we have hope." That's how foreign the idea of having a black president was. It, it was bonkers to me. So yeah. even with him, I was like, "Yeah, okay, right, Never. yeah." And then he became a president, and he ran on hope. 
And it was like, all right, okay. Yeah. All right. But so here, here's the thing, going back to kind of where we were even before then, talking about how we all need to be on the same page. Man, he got elected and black people were like, well, he ain't really black. Yep. You know what oh, I mean? no, there's always, yeah, there's really always a caveat. It's always that. Like, he's yeah. too light-skinned or what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's a lot of, there's a, <clears throat> that's a real challenge is, is needing people to be pure, you know? Uh, um, for me, it's it's all of the people, but more different ways. You know, I think people just think about some people as general figures. But for me, when I think about Fred Hampton, when I think about James Baldwin, when I think about Dr. King and Malcolm X, I think about those people in terms of their ability as orators and writers. I tell people all the time, like, if you want to last, like, if you want to, if you want your, your name to carry on significantly, you got to be an orator or you got to be a writer. Yeah. If you can't speak or you can't write, you're, you're going to be vaporous in history. And when people have the opportunity, like, again, in a world where people try to dominate with power and weapons and tools and all those other type of things, for a person to be able to use their voice, their intellect, to be able to change the dynamics of one of the world's most significant superpowers, you know, and really yeah. the world, really. For sure. You know what I mean? The world sure. in its entirety, but specifically this country. So for me, it's more the way, and you pointed it out earlier, I do think it's, it's important that we, we pull in more um, relevant heroes, more relevant people. I remember as a young person, too, I'll just say this real quick. I always wanted to meet Colin Powell so I could apologize. And the reason why I say that is is because I used to see Paul Colin Powell because he was Republican. I used to go in on. And uh, there was just one day I just started navigating through a story and just thinking about what it would take. And I'm thinking about this, the stuff I was overcoming here in, the, in just a little dash of yeah. the experience. Right. And I'm thinking to become the chairman of the Joint Chiefs in that military, not even like in this military yeah. right now. In that one. In that military. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like what this what this man had to endure was just crazy for me. And I just I was I that was one of the first moments where I had really had to step back and appreciate how I was adding to the toxicity of this thing without understanding this person's story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what this person had experienced. And then for me also is is Maya Angelou again on that orator speaker type situation. And she was important for me because she was not only uh, such a powerful force that way. But she was one of the first women, and particularly black women, that I looked at and I was like, I want to be like her. Mm-hmm. You know, like we appreciated women. Like yeah. my 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 family is a matriarch. So like the women in my family are, are the, the figures. So that's not weird for me. But it was like, that was the first time like where I was like, I want to be like yeah. her. And, and the gravitas she has is just yeah. otherworldly. Real, real quick, I just want to touch on that because most... Most black families have that power structure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most families in general have a power structure, but black families in particular look to the moms and the grandmothers mm-hmm. within our within our families because they are, <clears throat> excuse me, they are the ones that actually hold the power, mm-hmm. right? Your mama say no, that means no. Yeah, in my house. That's, don't that's don't go devil. ask your daddy because mama said yeah, no. You, you know out. what I mean? You will get laid out. So. <laughs> yeah. For me, um, one of the significant ones is Muhammad Ali. I think even especially since we started Think 3D. You know, I have a, a poster up on my wall that says, if, if, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. Mm-hmm. And I think back to, and especially when you get to be appreciative as an adult, what he sacrificed, like he was in his prime for what he believed in. But, but one thing that I really appreciate more than all of that was the audacity to be who he is. I am the greatest. He said it before all of it. 
And in a world where I think one of the biggest things that we are dealing with in terms of issues with each other is people's insecurities. Again, we, if a, a, a confident person doesn't tear people down, it's an insecure person that does that down. And in a world where even my personal mission in life is to inspire the world to step into their higher potential, he was such an example of like back in the 60s, like you can, if you believe it and speak it, mm-hmm. like he believed that. Yeah, like he wasn't put on a show. He believed it. All the way. <laughs> All, All the way. way. And, and I if think you told that. him otherwise. Yeah. And I see that because even in, in my journey, and that's something that, you know, I've always been a pretty confident person, but in this version of me, I'm able to do all that I do because I don't need no one's permission. I don't need, I'm not trying to please anybody. I know who I am from that standpoint of confidence. You can impact the world, which I want to give you kind of last topic before we wrap is really going forward, right? I think we talking about Black History Month and ultimately with Black History Month, you know, how one of the ways that we can you think about the next generation, how do, how do we make it live and how do you make it matter for them so they keep taking the power from that. And I think one of the ways that, that you make history matter is making it matter in the moment, living the example, right? You mm-hmm. teach through the clarity of your example. So as you think about, um, you know, this next generation, uh, I'm, I'm inspired. I feel like it's a more active generation than even our generation. There's more that we're handling a pile of shit basically yep, in the world yep. to deal with that they got to figure it out. But what are some of the ways that you feel that we could a make sure that they understand where they came from, but 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 f- to feel empowered and not to wait to say the world is yours now. Yeah, go get it, go design it, go create it. So man, this new generation's different. I'm, I'm <laughs> just going. Say, bro? I'm just saying, say, like, b- bust they, off, they bust thought, off. Listen, they thought we were different. Yeah, they gonna have to deal with something. Yeah, because this new generation does not care at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm not just talking about the black kids. I'm talking about all the kids. No, nah, yeah, they, no, they, you know they, what I mean. Yeah, they, they, they really about that life. And so if if we don't set, if we don't set this particular generation CEOs up to handle what's coming in, yeah. then I think our generation will fail. I don't think that generation is gonna fail at all. Right, because they got their stuff together far beyond and above sure. what what we did. Now well, we interact there, with them differently too, for sure. Now, with that said, though, is there a lot of room to grow? Is there a lot of room for mentorship? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we have to stand behind them. But we're, they're not a generation where we got to hold of hands like we were. Right, I needed somebody to hold my hand through the process, navigate me through the rooms, teach me how to build relationships. Nope, not them. They don't need the relationship, right? Um, and so when you talk about what we can do. I think we can just continue to work in the spaces that we're working in, making sure that we are ready for the next generation of workforce, the next generation of leaders to come in because they're coming whether we like it or not. Um, it's almost like uh, I kind of liken it to, to the, the movement within the in the 60s and the 70s. Right. The, those young kids saw Malcolm. They saw Martin. They saw the change happening. They saw the dogs being sicked on a lot of black people. Right. They saw the water hoses mm-hmm. being put on the folks. Um, and so in their mind, they weren't going to do that. You won't do that to me. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the kids growing up in the late sixties, early seventies, I mean, that, mm-hmm. I don't know how old y'all are. Y'all older than me. Mm-hmm. I was born in the eighties. Oh, you want me to say? Oh. Y'all, y'all were born in the seventies, right? 
I was not. Oh, you, he was nine. Yeah. See, I'm seasoned player. Uh, so you see, so so, 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 anyways, <clears throat> those kids though. The reason why you see so much change in our generation is because those kids said we're not going through the same struggle, right? And so now these kids are seeing our generation go through a struggle of police brutality, right? I wore this hoodie today on purpose because of Trayvon, mm-hmm. right? I was going to wear, you know, I, I got a whole bunch of black history shirts, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to represent Trayvon and I'm going to put on the hoodie. Mm-hmm. Those kids saw that. And so in their they mind, see everything. They, they see it all because they record it all. That's the difference. That's they the see difference. everything. Like there's a lot of kids that was like, even, even white kids or whatever, where when George Floyd happened, it was like this? Yeah. This what y'all was talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, no, this can't go. Yeah. And it was jarring that's, for them in a way, whereas when you talk to somebody that was older, they're like, man, that's a Tuesday. Yeah, because it's, it's been happening for us. Yeah, like, we know behind Tuesday. the scene it's been happening. But because they see it, because they're the ones actually recording it, they're pressing the button to share it, right? They're making the thing go viral. They're also saying it's not happening when I get there. Yeah. Right? For sure. So we have to prepare ourselves for that. I think for me, the difference is, and it's interesting, because I wouldn't have thought about it like this, and you mentioned that, you know, we got to get together and all of that, but what I found is is that a, a, a lot of the value, because I'm a person that's been, you know, developing young people for a long time in some capacity, I, I take that role very, very seriously. And most of the people I've developed have been white, but obviously for natural reasons. But um, but what I, what I found is really interesting, though, is, is that for a lot of the the young black men that I lead, especially in football, but in a lot of things, so men and women, but in particular, let me just use football for an example. It means something specific to see, for them to see me lead while I'm also leading white people. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's something to be said where it's not carved out. It's not over here. It's, that's the leader. Yeah. Of this thing, of, of, of this, all people, of this the whole thing, yeah, and seeing people in that space and seeing people be that, you know what I mean? Because um, Dr. King was ours, and then once he died, he became theirs. Malcolm X was ours, and then once he died, he became everybody. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, well, no, but, but like, well, like now, like again, you you wear a, you wear an X, you know, sweatshirt or whatever. You be out in the streets, you might see a kid at Berkeley for sure. Rocking the yeah. X joint, like that was not happening, <laughs> right? You know, both of these men were the, were some of the most hated in America when it happened, and later they became, you know, whatever. Yeah. A lot of figures, or however you want to slice that. But I think that in the difference between what Obama was, he's the leader of the most powerful country in the known world. Yeah. Period. Which is why right. people had to do a lot of caveating, which was not my president. It's you don't want to accept the fact right. that. Yep. This is being led by whatever. But that was a different thing. Even for me as a person at my age, that was different to see a person in that place. You know what I mean? And so I take a lot of ownership about um, young people in particular being able to see us run a business that is powered by more than just our audience. Yeah. Our business is engaged with everyone. We lead in these segments that we lead in fully. Yeah. Not segmented, not carved out, not cut out, not put over here, not a version of the thing. And I think that's important. I think a lot of folks are, are seeing that and are coming up with an audacity and a confidence. The, the nuance of what has happened historically naturally diminishes. Yeah. 
But that confidence and that willing to achieve, the willingness to achieve and that belief that you could do whatever is increasing. And we got this window right here where they're kind of crossing each other, where we get to offer this context and offer this leadership. Right. I just think we got to really take advantage of that moment. I think that moment's happening right now. I mean, you know, the world is full of imagination, right? And so while you were talking, I was just imagining, though, like the, the things that we're already doing within our own organizations is very powerful. But imagine if we had the support of our own people behind us, huh. right? You yeah. use that imagination and imagine yeah. what type of power now, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's, that's true power. That's true politics, right? Mm -hmm. Cause just to be real entrepreneurship is nothing more than politics, making money. Mm -hmm. That's it. You got to work. the. <clears throat> you got, you got to work the relationships. You got to work the leverages, all the things. Mm -hmm. So what happens, what happens when that 40% that you're aiming for an LOT automatically becomes 80% over and over and over and over again. And now you have that foundation that we talked about earlier sure. of our own community building our own businesses. I mean, that's, that's powerful. That is. Yeah. That's my most optimistic part. Looking forward, you know, obviously as these young kids grow up, you know, one of the most important things for me is you teach through the clarity of your example. Cause again, when they see us, and they see that they, they're doing nothing but repeating the same behavior. They're gossiping and doing all things because they see their mama's doing it. They, they're going to repeat the same behavior. And so as we start to own and elevate our own part, I can't control the next person, X, Y, Z. But when we hold ourselves, you know, Vani always talks about personal responsibility all of the time. And when people truly take personal responsibility, A, for ourselves, but then knowing that that generation behind us, that's what we're doing. You know, Malcolm and Martin and all, they, they led the way of moving the needle forward. And I think knowing that we have a generation that's different and be willing, they're willing to be activated differently. Right. But are we showing them the foundation is your point again, building a foundation to come from so they cannot just step forward, but the leap forward it's time. Right. But it all comes back to us. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think a theme, a prevailing theme, is is really still leadership you know how valuable it is in this country and and all of those different type of things and what it means for us to lead in these moments whether it's you know leading our own or leading uh leading us all it's funny too i just think about that i just think about how many people when we think about leaders of tomorrow what you're doing with the hub helping people get businesses and things of that nature and those people go out in the world after going through those experiences having it with this wide group of people, knowing that they want to live in a more honest, open, compassionate, considerate, and thoughtful world. And so while we have to build ourselves up in our confidence is also equipping people with the skills to be better people. Yeah. I think sometimes we ask people to be better people than their skills would allow them to be. Yeah. And if you don't close that gap, you don't close that gap. Like I talk about those young men in, in football or whatever it is that I've, that I've led that might be white, can nobody tell them about their coach? Yeah. When they get in the world and they in that position, and then this kid over here that went through this thing and, and that you led, and this kid over here that he led, and they get together and they say, man, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Why would we do it like this? I like you. You like me. You smart. I'm smart. You want a good community. I want a good community. Let's get this thing popping. For sure. And that's what I see really transpiring. I think it's already happening right now. I think we just are at a point where we all want to get out of this rat race. We want to get out of this dog eat dog. We want to stop cannibalizing each other. I think we all want to be in a place where we can feel good and we actually live for the purpose of, of, of a quality of life. Yeah. And that's the only thing that you really get out this ride. So just 
maybe this is the last note. I don't know if we're yeah. trying to wrap it up or what, but <clears throat> I think we have to really be cognizant of how long progress actually takes. Man. Right? So people want progress to happen overnight. And it's, and it's not going to happen that way. You have to remember that we went through over 450 years of whatever type of oppression. And now we're in a different era of certain types of oppression when you talk about systematic stuff. Mm-hmm. So the progress we're making, typically progress takes two, if not three times as long, right, to, to happen from the actual oppression or the setback that, mm-hmm. that has occurred. So if we think about it, we're a thousand years in the making, right? Well, so we're, this is baby steps. This yeah. is baby steps for sure. We are infants in this game. Yeah. MLK, Malcolm, they were infants in the game. Yeah. So we and have we're doing to, pretty decent. I mean, we are doing pretty decent, right? It, considering. All things con- considered for sure. All things considered. So so with that said though, we also have to realize that as leaders, as the people that are actually on the ground, uh what they say, in the muddy boots or in the trenches, mm-hmm. like we have to remember that we we might be working for things that we might not see in our lifetime. Oh, 100. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah, 100. And, and I, I really have found value in understanding that my kids' kids will probably reap the benefits of my work. 100. I'm not working for my generation. Oh, for sure. I'm not. Hard facts. And so I think people that get involved in community, sometimes they see, you know, oh, man, this is not going anywhere. Well, it's not for you. Yeah, you it's gotta not, strap the work in. is not for you. It's time to strap up and let's get moving. And you gotta take care of yourself because it's a right. long. It, there, it, it's all journey. Yeah, there is sure. no there. It's all journey for sure. So you yeah, know. and what are the options? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Huh? Yep, they work. So, but I think that also means kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, what you said at the guest list as well. That means living for your people. One hundred percent. Right. Yeah. That is that is doing the work. That is the ultimate sacrifice. 100%. The ultimate sacrifice is death. Right. But yeah. next to that is living for your people without the, the seeing, without seeing the benefits. Is yeah. death because yeah. it's a wrap. You don't Absolutely. gotta live with your decision. But when you gotta get up every day, you gotta live with your choices. You gotta live with what yeah. you do, whether people like them, don't like them. They got opinion about them, don't give about them. Whether they work or they don't work, that's the hard part. Is getting yeah. up every day after you made yesterday's decisions right. and having to deal with them things. Yeah. Just, just you know, just dying. You get to you get to be done, and that's the thing. We you know we we we've chosen to do this work, and we don't ever get to be done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So great conversation, uh, thinking out loud, you know, make sure you guys subscribe, uh, check out more episodes. But again, this brought to you, uh, Black History Month is not just a month. Let's make it 365 and live it out. Uh, American history. American history. Build confidence in yourself and be the best version of you, impact the world. So see you guys on the next episode. Appreciate you.